I'm Jeffrey. Welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Come. Warm your hands by the fireside as I tell you of a young girl who treasures stories just as much as I do. Charlotte has lived a quaint and quiet existence tucked up in the reading nook in her father's home for much of her childhood. Her nose was forever buried between the pages of a book until one fateful day She ran out of reading material and looked up at the world around her for long enough to get caught up in an adventure of her own. Before we get started, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors who make this free content possible. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Before we begin with tonight's tale, I invite you to take a moment to yourself, to wind down, and relax after another long day. Come to a comfortable position and when you're ready, allow your eyes to gently drift closed. Feel the stillness and silence of the night beginning to wash through your body with each cycle of your breath. Draw a deep breath in, hold it for a moment, and exhale as you give yourself over to the weight of exhaustion. Inhale, and exhale. Breathe in, 
and out. As your thoughts begin to clear, take a moment to thank yourself for nourishing your mind and body in this way tonight. Breathing in, give gratitude for all of the faces that fill your life and give it the light, love and character that make it so beautiful. As you exhale, feel the responsibilities of the day drift away from you on the gentle tide of your breath. Drawing a deep breath in, give thanks for the places and possessions that bring you joy, that grant you shelter, warmth, and a peaceful place to rest your head. Breathing out, let go of the notion that you should be anywhere other than where you are in life right now. Take the time to be thankful for your journey, for how far you have come, and the lessons you have already learned on your path through life. Perhaps you have not yet reached your intended destination, but grant yourself a moment to be grateful and to thank yourself for all the ways in which you have already grown. Now, if you're feeling ready, tonight's story can begin. Charlotte believed that you should never judge a book by its cover. She had read many a book throughout her young years that appeared shabby, tattered, and uninspiring on the outside. But when she delved into the pages, the stories were packed with excitement and knowledge for the taking. Reading was one of Charlotte's favourite pastimes. In the little house she lived in with her father, there wasn't much to do, but the collection of books that lined the walls of the living quarters was enough to keep Charlotte happy. Ever since she was a little girl, she would spend hours browsing the bookshelves for something new to enjoy. All those years ago, as a young girl, she thought it would be impossible to finish reading every book on her father's impressive wall of bookshelves. Her father was an avid reader himself and had collected all the books over the course of his lifetime. He was a reserved man who enjoyed his own space and time to himself. When he wasn't working in the nearby town as a shopkeeper, he would be reading. Every book had a story that he believed was worth treasuring. And any time he read a particularly good one, he would add it to his collection. 
There were books about all the topics you could imagine. But Charlotte especially loved reading about the mystical creatures that shared the land with them. Her father believed that it was important to educate themselves on their ways and traditions so that they could all live in harmony together, side by side. The house that Charlotte and her father lived in was rather special. Once, it had been a small chapel. The pointed roof and circular painted glass windows retained their original beauty. And they had maintained a beautiful garland of pink roses and vines around the archway of the wooden front door. The building still had all the charm of a charming chapel in the midst of the woodland. But when any passerby knocked on the door seeking comfort from a kindly priest, instead they would be greeted by a small red-headed girl answering the door, or a middle-aged bespectacled man. Charlotte's father always invited people inside to take a look around when they knocked on their front door and provided them with a cup of tea to warm their spirits. One cup of tea would often turn into several as he would talk away about the thousands of books on his shelves. It had always been Charlotte and her father They were a little team that nobody could part. They were both independent free thinkers who reveled in each other's quiet company. Charlotte would do most of the cooking while her father did the cleaning, albeit not very well. His forte was definitely in the garden their patch of land was a thing to behold. Her father was quite the green finger and had nurtured a beautiful, lush green garden with perfectly trimmed leafy trees, spongy shrubs and bushes cut into the shapes of various woodland creatures. They shared the perfect existence. They would walk into the nearby town together every morning, he for work and she for school, and then meet in the town square and make the journey home together, each with an apple in hand. Upon returning home, he would read a book or tend to the garden while she would complete her homework. And then they would bustle around the kitchen, preparing dinner together. After dinner, they would light candles, throw logs on the fire, and snuggle up with blankets in their respective reading quarters 
for some alone time with their chosen books. Charlotte's special reading nook was upstairs on the wooden mezzanine, tucked up on the inside of one of the largest circular painted windows. The window was painted in shades of purple, pink, and red, depicting a sunset on the horizon and the group of people praising the sun as it set in the distance. From this spot, she could use the last rays of sunshine of the day to light up her pages and watch as the day's sunlight dimmed and set for the night. In the summer, when the sun set, she would retreat to bed, just like the sun. But in the winter, she would light a candle by her side and stay up as late into the evening as her tired eyes could manage. On this particular evening, Charlotte gently turned the page of her book and sighed. The last light of the day was beaming onto the page. She hoped that the sunset would hold out long enough for her to finish this book tonight. It felt like a fitting end to an era. For tonight, Charlotte was reading the last pages of the last book on her father's bookshelves. Ten years of reading, dreaming, learning, and enjoying was almost complete. She had lived many lives through the words of a thousand writers. And yet, here she was, reaching the end of the collection. Her bookkeeper father hadn't brought home another book in a while. But Charlotte was hungry for something new. She was so young, she didn't want to relive the same tales. She longed for something fresh to sink her teeth into. As Charlotte digested the last words of the last page, she leant back against the wall and rested her head against the window. She felt all of her energy leave her body and she placed the book down to rest on her lap. Gazing out the purple-tinted window, she watched the last flicker of the day's sunlight disappear as if in perfect harmony with her journey. She had completed her father's wall of books. What would she do now? For days after, Charlotte would return home from school and wonder what to do to fill the time. 
Eventually, she tried writing her own book, but she had no idea what story she wanted to tell. She had read thousands of different stories over the years, but she found it hard to settle on just one thing to write about. She felt like she had no experience of her own to draw on. And she didn't want to replicate somebody else's own handwork. Every time she sat down to put pen to paper, she found herself writing a jumble of sentences and concocting characters that didn't feel believable, even to her let alone anyone she might dare share her writing with. After so many years of living other people's lives through her imagination, she realized that she herself hadn't done much that was worth writing about. One day, as Charlotte waited for her father in the town square, she noticed a group of her classmates chattering with their heads together conspiratorially. Intrigued by their excitement, she walked over to them and inquired, What are you all talking about? Haven't you heard? A blonde-haired boy named Reuben replied, turning to her. Nobody has seen the king in days, and the palace guards haven't been able to track him down. Charlotte had a twinkle in her eye. It was like one of her novels had come to life. The mystery of the missing king. Reuben directed her over to the cenotaph in the middle of the town square. Pinned up was a scroll delivering an official proclamation from the royal castle. It read, Two moons ago, our divine king embarked upon his nightly moonlight stroll and has not been seen since. The mystery of our king's whereabouts is still being investigated. Anyone with any information on our good king's whereabouts should report to the palace guards promptly. With the aid of our people and the good creatures of the forest, we will once again reunite our king with his kingdom and see him safely within the castle walls once more. Do you believe us now? Reuben whispered over Charlotte's shoulder. I wonder where the king could have disappeared to? Charlotte pondered. At that moment, Charlotte saw her father walking in the distance, and she bade her school friends farewell to join him for their daily walk home. Passing her an apple from his pocket, her father asked her the usual question. How was school today? Charlotte's head was swimming with the news of the king's disappearance. She could barely focus on his question. Father, have you heard that the king wandered off and nobody can find him? I have, he sighed. 
It's an odd mystery, isn't it? As they walked along the path out of the town and towards their house at the edge of the woodland, Charlotte mulled over the royal proclamation in her head. How could the king just vanish? That evening, she sat by the old chapel window and watched the glow of the evening sun dance across the colourful panes of glass. She still liked to sit here in the evening, even if she didn't have a book in her hand. As she watched the sky grow dimmer and dimmer, she suddenly noticed a shadow flutter past on the ground below. She hadn't seen a movement like this before. It was most unusual. Hopping down from the window seat and climbing down the stairs from the mezzanine to the ground floor, she peeped through one of the downstairs windows and gazed out onto the woodland path. She looked around, trying to see what could have caused the shadow. But there was nothing to see. Just as Charlotte was about to give up and retreat back upstairs, she noticed a rustling in a nearby bush and watched as a hunched little man with a big, crooked nose and bat-like ears skipped out of the bush and onto the woodland path. It was a goblin. She watched as the goblin pulled bunches of berries off the trees that lined either side of the woodland path by her house, shoving them into a satchel on his side and intermittently eating handfuls of the juicy fruit. When he had filled his bag, he skipped off down the woodland path on his merry way, without a care in the world. Watching the little fellow cheerfully skip along the path, stuffing delicious berries into his mouth, smearing purple juice all over his face in the process, Charlotte had a thought. Maybe the goblins knew where the king had gotten to. They dwelled in the forest. So if the king was wandering around, lost, then they would surely have seen or heard something of him. For the next few days, Charlotte kept watch on the woodland path for signs of the goblin returning. She could only assume that if he had been here once before, he would return for more succulent berries. One of the books on her father's shelf had been all about the different creatures of the land, and she reread it in the hopes of studying up and refreshing her memory on anything goblin-related that may help her. Goblins truly were misunderstood creatures. Folklore depicted them as mischief-makers, 
but very few books actually documented real interactions that portrayed them in that way. In fact, they depicted the goblins as shy, affectionate and resourceful creatures. They tend to live in boggy parts of woodlands, where the ground is mushy and the trees are lush to provide shelter and cool shade from the sun. Goblins are creatures of the night. They don't particularly like the sun, choosing to sleep in the day and come out in the moonlight instead. Their eyesight is much better in the dark, just like the gentle owl. Days later, Charlotte was laying the table for dinner while her father sat reading a book by the fireplace. She glanced out of the window, noticing the radiant sunset, when she noticed a rustling in one of the bushes in her father's garden. Not wanting to alert him to any trespassers in his precious garden, Charlotte snuck out the back door and crept around the side of the house to investigate. Peering around the corner and into the garden, she discovered the same goblin she had spied on the woodland path not many days before. The goblin was stretching and craning to reach a luscious red apple dangling from the branch of her father's apple tree but his little arms and legs couldn't quite reach. Seeing his plight, she took a few steps towards him, stepping on a fallen twig with a gentle crunch. Hearing the snap of the twig, the goblin jumped with surprise and scuttled into a nearby shrub. Charlotte could see his big, beady eyes, staring out at her meekly, embarrassed that he had been spotted. Glancing at the shiny red apple, she slowly crept up to the tree and plucked the fruit from its branch. She held it out in front of her to the goblin, still hiding in the bush. You don't need to be afraid, she ushered him sweetly. Here, take it. The goblin's eyes shifted from side to side, surveying the area for any other humans who might be nearby. When he was sure the coast was clear, he cautiously crawled out from the bush and shuffled towards Charlotte. Slowly, he reached up, grabbed the apple from her outstretched hand, and took a big, crunchy bite out of the fruit. His eyes lit up as the sweet taste hit his tongue, and he smiled shyly in gratitude. 
Charlotte couldn't help but stifle a giggle at his reaction of pure delight to the simple snack. She watched him guzzle up the apple with curiosity. She observed the way his crooked nose wriggled. Wiggled as his mouth chomped. How his ears pricked up every time a bird hovered above or a squirrel darted through the trees. But most notably, she noted how gentle his face was. He had wrinkled skin, so he was likely an old goblin, and his eyes were large and sparkling blue, like the depths of a lake. He moved slowly and hobbled slightly. He was certainly not young, Have you ever eaten an apple before? Charlotte eventually asked him as he finished his last bite. He looked at her, amused. Of course I've had an apple before, little girl. I may look young and handsome, but I've been around longer than you could imagine. Charlotte felt her cheeks flush pink course. What a silly question to ask, she thought to herself. Thank you for your help, the goblin continued, looking up at the tall apple tree. I apologize for the intrusion, but the fruit on your tree looked too good to resist. It's a shame my little arms and legs can't reach the branches easily enough. Charlotte giggled with joy. She was so pleased that she was having a conversation with a real-life goblin. Oh, it's not a problem at all, she reassured him. We are all here to help each other however we can, after all. The old goblin looked at her with a little crooked smile and extended out his hand to her. I should think so, he agreed. My name is Merlin. What's yours? Merlin? Charlotte gasped with intrigue. Like the great wizard? She had read all about Merlin in her father's books. Yes, just like the great wizard. Except I'm much more interesting than he is. The little old goblin replied cheekily, with a wink. My name is Charlotte, she replied, shaking his hand firmly. Charlotte proceeded to give Merlin the goblin a tour of her father's prized garden. He was very impressed with her father's beautiful handiwork, especially his magnificent topiary of a hair. Charlotte discovered, whilst chatting to Merlin, that goblins do a lot for the plants of the forest. They are natural healers and can often be found healing the split bark on trees, sticking fallen petals back onto flowers and fluffing up the shrubbery when it starts looking a little limp. If it weren't for the goblins, 
then the forests would quickly fall into disrepair. Charlotte wished that the human world knew this. Instead, they clung on to inaccurate myths and fairy stories that depicted them all wrong. Marlin, have you heard that our king has gone missing? He went out for his nightly stroll in the moonlight almost seven days ago and has not been seen since. I don't suppose you or anyone you know might have seen him. Since you were so good at seeing in the dark, perhaps you might have seen something that we couldn't? Merlin's brow creased with concern, and he screwed up his lips as though he were thinking very hard. Looking over both of his shoulders, he took a deep breath in and sighed. I can help you, he whispered. Come with me. Charlotte nodded with intrigue and began to follow Merlin out of the gate of her father's garden and onto the woodland path. It's a bit of a walk, so I hope you brought some snacks for the journey, he joked. Charlotte reached up to one of the trees lining the woodland path and snatched a big clump of purple berries from its branches. She grinned at him knowingly, and he let out a hearty, jolly chuckle. The pair wandered along the path, deeper into the forest, as the evening grew darker. Charlotte's eyes were struggling to adjust to the impending darkness, but Merlin seemed to grow more confident with where he was going. As the night grew on, Eventually, they came to a clearing next to a lake, and she noticed a flickering orange campfire across the way, outside the entrance to a large cave. Around the campfire sat several little goblins, laughing and singing, while others wandered around the side of the lake, chatting, knitting, and playing with their children. She followed Merlin around the edge of the lake and towards the campsite. Hello, friends, he called out as they drew close. Do not be alarmed. I've brought my good friend Charlotte here to help. Help? What does he mean by help? Charlotte wondered noticing all of the goblins staring at her with intrigue. Merlin started to walk into the mouth of the cave and Charlotte stopped at the threshold. The king was sitting next to the campfire, drinking from a tankard with a friendly bunch of goblins. They were laughing and joking like old friends and the king seemed very much at ease with them. Charlotte noticed that his leg was propped up on a boulder, 
wrapped up in bandages made of leaves. Your Majesty, she cried, unable to hold back her excitement. What are you doing here? Everybody in the kingdom has been looking for you for days. The king glanced up at her and gave her a wide smile. She knew that he didn't recognize her, of course. How could he when they had never met? But regardless, he greeted her warmly. My child, I've had quite the predicament, the king replied before gesturing to his leg. Do you see my leg? Well, if it weren't for the goblins, I would have been in a tricky state indeed. Several nights ago, I was taking my nightly stroll around the castle grounds. I've grown rather tired of walking around the same spots every evening. My gardens are beautiful, but I do often long to venture outside of my castle walls and explore more. So rather spontaneously, and also rather foolishly, I decided to climb the castle wall and hop over into the woodland behind. The only problem was, I hadn't quite gauged just how high the castle walls really were. I landed with a thud, injuring my leg in the process. I couldn't walk, and as much as I called out for the palace guards to come help me, they couldn't hear me, nor see me. After lying there hopelessly, For what felt like hours, I heard the padding of footsteps from the trees. Three kind goblins appeared and scooped me up gently, carrying me back here, where they applied the healing sap of the willow tree to my wounds and bandaged me up. I've been resting my leg here ever since, and the goblins have been taking very good care of me. Charlotte was overwhelmed by the generosity of the goblins. They didn't need to come to the king's rescue, but they had anyway, and treated him with dignity and kindness while he recuperated from his injury. But there was a question nagging her in the back of her mind. But, your highness... Why have you not informed the kingdom of your whereabouts? At that, Merlin interjected. Could you imagine if we turned up at the palace gates? They would throw a fit. Charlotte nodded her head in understanding. It was such a shame that humans didn't understand the true intentions of the goblin kind so I have been rather stuck here, the king continued. The goblins are too afraid to approach the castle, but I can't walk back there on my own. Charlotte took a look at the king's ailing leg. It was definitely still too injured for him to walk on. Charlotte wasn't strong enough to lift the king on her own, but perhaps... 
she could come up with a way for him to make his way to the castle on his own. Recalling one of her father's books about woodwork, she set herself to task. She instructed the goblins to find her several long planks of wood and some tools. With Merlin by her side and the aid of the moonlight, she set to work creating her invention. By the time she was finished, daylight had broken. Many of the goblins were sleepily retreating to their beds, deep in the cave. Charlotte presented the king with two wooden crutches. Sliding them both under his shoulders, she and Merlin helped guide the king to his feet, and he stood there steadily. The king was able to put pressure on his good leg, so he easily limped around the cave with the help of the wooden contraptions holding him up tall. Your Majesty, are you ready for your morning stroll? She suggested cheerfully. The king thanked the goblins for their wonderful hospitality and for taking care of him so well. He offered to do anything for them that they wished, but the goblins wanted nothing in return. All that they asked was that he helped spread the word of their good deed. Charlotte and the king set off on their journey back to the castle, walking through the forest for several miles until the castle walls were once again in sight. The crutches worked perfectly, and the king managed to hobble along with no problem. When they arrived at the castle gates, the guards all rushed to the king, delighted at his return. They attempted to carry him inside, but he insisted that he could make his way on his own. course, everyone in the kingdom heard the news of the king's return and celebrated. When they discovered that it was the goblins who had saved him and nursed him back to health, and that a young girl had brought him home, they could hardly believe their ears. The king made a public announcement thanking the goblins for their kindness and generosity and urged everyone in the kingdom to look to them for inspiration on how to treat one another. As for Charlotte, the king was so impressed by her resourcefulness to show his gratitude for bringing him home. He asked her what she would like as a reward. Would she like riches? a brand new home for herself and her father, perhaps a prestigious job working in his palace. However, none of these offers seemed to appeal to Charlotte. She didn't need money, and they loved the quirky old chapel that they lived in. She was intrigued by the offer of a position in the palace, but she decided It wasn't quite right for her 
Instead, Charlotte thought of the one thing she thought the town needed. Within days, the king's guards had set to work building Charlotte's very special request. Charlotte's library was built within the month, and the king ensured that the building was filled to the brim with thousands and thousands of books from different authors and different ways of life. Charlotte did write her own book in the end. In fact, she wrote many books, but her most famous one was about goblins and their true history. It would allow the humans and the goblins to live harmoniously with one another for many, many years to come.